Hey, everybody, welcome into the Raw Knuckles podcast. We'd really appreciate it if you'd like, subscribe, and share with a friend. A lot of it plays into politics and different things and whatnot, but I mean, just given the fact of where I'm at, ranked fourth yeah. in the world, four fight win streak, like, I mean, I think they have me at five now, currently, where I've been out. But, um, you know, it just makes sense. I've already fought Aldana, I beat her. Um, and everybody else who's in front of me. But like I said, I mean, the politics behind it, you have Ketlin, they're talking about, you know, Juliana and Amanda for this rematch. And then whatever happens with that, I don't see Holly coming off of a loss and going for a world title, but who knows? People have names and like I said, the politics and their managers and all this bullshit. Um, but with Ketlin having the hype behind her and then me being on a win streak and everything else, like it only makes sense. When I stepped on the ice, I never backed down, and I never stayed down. And I was vicious, and I was malicious, and I don't care. <laughs> I'm alive. He's a freaking madman. Look at him going to town. That'll be a suspension. That'll be a fine. Alive, I'm alive, I'm alive. Welcome to the Raw Knuckles podcast. Uh, Raquel, awesome to have you. Tim and I have been looking forward to this. Uh, so nice of you to take the time to join us today. What I want to know, and growing up as I grew up in Boston, you know, grew up in the streets, fighting all the time, played hockey. I fought in the National Hockey League for years. And I, I guess where I grew up, it was just never natural to see women fighting. I did the odd time. You grew up in Colorado Springs. How does that come to fruition you becoming a UFC fighter where does that come from honestly I mean when I first started this sport there was not very many women in the sport at all it was a completely male dominant sport so it's really exciting to where um to see where the sport has grown to um you know my first few amateur fights I have a few of the same opponents just to have some competition so now watching all these young and upcomers constantly and now the ufc has women's divisions and um you know there's invicta fighting championships which is an all-women's promotion bellator like every platform of mma now has female fighters um you know it was rare that you even heard about like you said female boxing and stuff and for me i mean everybody's like oh you have anger issues or this that or another that's how you got into fighting like no i grew up being a huge tomboy i come from uh, I have a brother. I come from a huge Hispanic uh, family. I have about 17 guy cousins. They called me Rackle McDaniel growing up. I was like the little tomboy that just ran around, played tackle football in the cul-de-sac. And at, I think I want to say around like 12, uh, my best friend at the time growing up, her brothers were boxers and her dad was a professional boxer and a boxing coach. And that was the first time I was ever around it. But then again, it was males. Um, I did at what ask at one point if I can fight. My parents were like, no, you're too pretty and your teeth are way too nice. Uh -huh. So that was not an option, but I did every sport. And then, um, you know, my biggest dream was to be a professional athlete. I want to be a WNBA player and, you know, life throws its curveballs at you. And my senior year, I ended up breaking my back snowboarding. So I was in rehab. I couldn't take any of my athletic scholarships to college. I took an academic scholarship to UCCS here in Colorado Springs and I was just kind of getting back on the grind. And the first team I started with, they were training at Bally's Total Fitness in like a little yoga studio in the back corner. They would put those half inch puzzle mats down. And one day they were doing judo and jujitsu and just tossing each other everywhere and choking each other out. And honestly, it was a huge joke with my mom. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do that. 
And I think she just thought it'd be something good for me to get going again. And so she was like, oh, well, let's go talk to the coach. We went and talked to the coach. My very first training session happened to be a sparring session. So I got fed to the wolves, but I fell in love with it. And, you know, I mean, throughout the sport, I had people just telling me, oh, you can't do this. Why would you be a fighter? Like you're a woman, you're supposed to have these different roles. And it was a constant battle, but uh, I've never cared what people said. And I just kept going with it. And now here I am one of the best in the world. How does your mom feel today? um now she's super supportive she couldn't be any more proud my whole family you know they're uh at all my fights and stuff and so the ufc like they give me all the tickets for them and they just know that i come with a huge package but uh before it was like i think i turned my mom into an alcoholic (laughs) she never really drinks but every time she'd go to my fights she would just start chugging because she was so nervous and now she's just like, you know, I mean, she became my weight cutting partner and everything. And she's just my number one support. So you said you obviously snowboard. You wanted to play at WNBA. So you're good at other sports. You excelled. Academically, you were good. Why did you pass on college? Did you just like forget it? That's not the route. I'm so focused on this. Why did you give up on the college thing so early? No, I was actually in college for a really long time. Yeah. Um, I was going to school to be a doctor and then my fight career took off and UFC um, finally gave women the opportunity to uh, fight for them. And so when the Ultimate Fighter came out, it was the first season ever that they were going to have women. It was in my weight class. So, you know, I just put school on hold and then um, I just went full force with fighting. And then I actually was going back to school to finish doing everything. And then COVID hit. And so I was just sitting there and I was like, you know, I feel like every time I try to go for like school, like it's just something is getting thrown my way. And so I feel like the universe has a way of speaking to you. And it's kind of like, you know, you're supposed to focus on fighting. Being an athlete is a short window. School will always be there. Um, I highly believe in education and stuff and whatnot. But, you know, I mean, I have opportunities of a lifetime. My life has drastically changed from fighting and being in the UFC and being a professional athlete. So I'm enjoying this moment. And, you know, I, it's just like anything you constantly learn things. And I mean, I feel like, I don't know, I've been huge on athletics since I was five. So I always want to be, I still want to be a coach. There's so many things that I want to do. Like people wake up with real life, like struggles and issues and everything else. And like, don't get me wrong. Like I have my own stuff in my life too, but like I wake up stressed out in the morning because I have like so much ambition and things that I want to do. And it's just like stressful on how to plan it all out. So, you know, I feel like, uh, life is short but then at the same time like you have a length to do things and everything will work out how it's meant to be so school and different things and different avenues will open back up for me was that ultimate fighter was that was that like a big would that be considered like a big break for you like was that a a, is you know like is that a big big deal to get on for i guess any fighter that's trying yeah um you know i mean i feel like that was a huge turning point it was one of those milestones i actually have tattoo on my arm of uh season 18 and then every single second because for one every single second life counts but then every single second in the octagon uh matters and it was just kind of one of those things to where you know i signed with invicta fighting championships and at that time that was a huge promotion for women to kind of like advance us into the next stage and um and then when ufc opened that avenue you go there and i mean you have no choice but to spread your wings and you focus on exactly your dream i mean you're eating um, your training and all you're doing is fighting. And so it's just like nonstop and you really get to, you know, just grow as an athlete and see different things. And then you have the opportunity to get your UFC contract and 
So it's almost like going into the NFL, the freaking NBA, all those things. But I mean, UFC's the place to go, you know? So Raquel, you're certainly one of the ladies that blazed the way in the sport for women. You were there at the pretty much at the beginning. Uh, when you look at it, it had, it had been a, a male-dominated sport. When you look at the dollars, and we look at it in every walk of life, whether it's Hollywood, uh, no matter where, or sports all over, you know, men get paid more money. How long, uh, and it might not, you might not have caught up yet, the women, but how long did it take to really the women to make serious money at this sport. Was it tough to, to, to get to that point? Absolutely. It's taken years, you know? And I mean, honestly, that's a huge thing that's out in the open with UFC. A lot of people are fighting for the UFC athletes. Um, we honestly don't get paid anything of what we deserve. I mean, you have the people who bring in t tons of revenue for UFC and they're like, you know, McGregor, Ronda Rousey, all these different athletes. And like, they very much so cater to them and they pay them all this insane money. And then you have these other athletes who, you know, some athletes are stepping into the biggest organization. I believe the pay used to be like 8,000 and 8,000. So you would show up for 8,000. If you win, you get another 8,000. And of course, in the smaller promotions, when you're coming up to that, it seems like mega money. But then as you're in this and you see how much money the actual organization makes and how cheap they are with their athletes. Like we still don't get taken care of how we're supposed to, but you know, I mean, for me, it's not about the money. I'm just super grateful for the opportunity and to be blessed with this hand in life and to have this experience and stuff and things have, you know, I mean, kind of like the ultimate fighter. It's like you win the ultimate fighter, you get a six figure contract, you get your UFC contract. Like it's this whole ordeal. But that's not the only path. Like, I didn't win the Ultimate Fighter. Um, I ended up with a broken hand, 17 stitches in my eye. I lost in the semifinals fight. And you know what? I became one of the first women to sign with the actual UFC for my season. And now here I am, number four. And, like, it's just, like, you take that, like, side road. And so I feel like, you know, with how long I've been into the UFC, things have worked out. And I've been blessed um, when it comes to financial avenue and stuff. And so, um, but, I mean, it it took a while. And now I think because so many people even outside of the UFC are bringing attention to it, they're starting to like somewhat balance things. But I think that's going to be something that the younger generations as they up and come, like they'll get to experience that and finally find that like equality in it. But it is a sport though. Like that's the thing is like, I know, you know, cause I'm a fan and I'm becoming more and more of a fan. And it's like, you, you, you have an opponent, you prepare for it. You have a team. You watch. You start. You know what I mean? Like, there's a whole game plan. It's like, is that a hard? I, I, is that hard for you? Like, it, most people probably on the outside like look at it like it's not a sport. It's just people that are crazy or however you want to look at it. Do you feel like since you started until today, like it's becoming more respectful as a sport, or is it just considered barbaric? And or like, what's what's the transition of that, or how has that evolved? Honestly, it's. It's super respected as a sport. I think the thing that I'm noticing being in it and as the years are passing, um, the entertainment that everybody's bringing to it and the craziness that the guys will bring and all the shit talking that they're doing and the way that they act and, you know, attacking each other's families and blah, 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 blah. Like mm -hmm. they're bringing a lot of entertainment to it. But now people are popping up the question if it's like WWE and whatnot. So we're getting a lot of like, is it all scripted? 
And I mean, it is raw as can be like we go out there and we put our heart and souls on the line and, you know, we put our lives on the line. Like we literally sign our lives away before a fight. And I think people are losing the respect in that aspect. Um, But, you know, I mean, it's been, it's definitely respected in the true MMA fans. Like they see it all. And, you know, I think a lot of people just like any other sport, they don't get to see the behind the scenes and whatnot. And I really love the iceberg effect where you get to see the top of the iceberg, but below the water, you don't see any of that. And, you know, that's the injuries, the behind the scenes, the freaking, there's so many athletes out there who like, they're just dedicating their lives to training and really like they're living on people's couches. Like they don't have money and they're just trying to make this dream of theirs come true. And there's, there's a lot to it, you know? And I mean, the politics, the further you get into it, like, it's a lot, like you definitely have to have some tough skin. And um, I think as people consistently, like things are being brought to light, the media is doing different things to kind of show the behind the scenes. A lot of athletes are like speaking out more um, with social media. Like that's a blessing and a curse, but it also gives the people the opportunity to like make videos. And so you can see that behind the scenes and what is being shown and stuff. So it's definitely respected though. Well, we will talk about the curse that social media is later, but we'll get to that for sure. Uh, and um, what I want to ask and, and I love what Mike Tyson said. You know, everybody's tough till they get punched in the mouth. We'll see how tough you are then when you get punched. Okay. Now, which, when you look, and, and you're right, people really don't know. You, you say they see the tip of the iceberg, but people don't know. And I remember stepping on the ice and doing what I had to do and fighting and people going nuts and they love it. And, they, and I often wonder if those people really knew what it takes to get to that point. And they don't. They don't have a clue. And, and when I think about you taking up the fight game, there are so many variables there, whether it's boxing, wrestling, jiu-jitsu, all that. What for you, and, and I find that amazing, what was the toughest thing for you to pick up in, in those different variables? Honestly, it's funny because everybody, now that I'm in UFC, um, you know, I won fight of the season on The Ultimate Fighter and it was a stand-up war and everybody was like, oh, she's a brawler and they categorized me as this brawler and the striker and granted, in my last few fights, like, I have a fight IQ. So, I mean, it's like, I go into fights and I don't think I'm just going to go in there and brawl. Like, if you're going to be a better striker than me, no way. And so, um, but, you know, I mean, the fights I've been in, I absolutely feel comfortable standing up. So I think it's funny that I'm categorized as this brawler because striking was actually the hardest thing for me to pick up. And, you know, I think I just have like being naturally athletic and then growing up and fighting my guy cousins and my brother all the time. I think that helped out. But when I actually like became technical, I was so intimidated with stand up and like I was frustrated with footwork, head movement, like everything that you can think of. And I was just way too hesitant, but on the ground, wrestling, everything else, I picked up just in the blink of an eye. Like it was just, it was super easy. How do you, like, how do you think you get scouted? Like when, when opponents probably, you know, they, they've watched video on you, this and that, like they're trying to, you know, what is, I guess, I don't know if you'd say it on here, but what is your weakness? um we all have weaknesses and you know i mean it's constantly evolving it doesn't matter what you're good at like it's gonna constantly change and that's the cool part in this sport um but you know like i said i mean i think people see me as this like tough gritty fighter who's just ready to go out there and brawl and like yeah you hit me a few times and i notice i just start swinging and going with it but like 
I have like a technical brawl behind me, but I'm also thinking about a million other things. So when I've talked to like previous opponents, they're just like, man, like we thought we had you figured out. And then all of a sudden you throw something in the mix and you know, like you hit way harder than we ever expected and this, that or another. And we didn't realize like you truly are well-rounded. And so, I mean, I've gotten different answers from all different opponents, but a lot of them always start out with the fact that they think I'm just this tough brawler. And once they could get past my striking, it's game over. So your team, you have a team, you have a coach, you have one main coach, and then how many people around you that help you get ready for a fight? I have a coach for every aspect. So I have a strength and conditioning coach. I have a nutritionist. I have uh, my own set of doctors. I have a wrestling coach. I have a jujitsu coach. I have a kickboxing coach. I have a Muay Thai coach. I have a Taekwondo coach. Like I have every aspect and they all just work together. They communicate. We're in one group message and you know, they just, they put it all together. Now, what I'm curious about, and this is a lot of people don't know this, right? No, I, they, well, I think they just see like, oh, there's the three coaches in the corner at the fight and that's their team. Well, what, what I don't know, and I'm, I'm curious and, and listen, playing a team sport, it's one thing. And you're playing in the National Hockey League, NFL, NBA, you have trainers, the team supplies them, right? You, you got trainers, you got nutritionists, everything. The team supplies everything. But you, you're on that island by yourself. Are you responsible to pay all those coaches? Yep. So None of that of comes from the UFC? None? No. We pay it. So a lot of people say an athlete will make 10000 and then they win. They make their bonus of 10000 Like, that's 20000 But really, some athletes in the sport have managers. Managers take 20%. And then you have your coaches that you pay out and like, depending on what your agreement is with them, like pretty much most of the time, like an athlete comes home with 50% of their purse. So even though they made 20,000, they're coming home with 10,000 by the time they pay everybody. And then camps are not cheap. Like they're super expensive. You pay for all your nutrition. Like a lot of times, especially being in like a female in this sport, I mean, it's completely, I love training with the guys and, um, you know, I mean, it's completely different when you go against a female, like we're just flexible in different ways. We move in different ways. We hit differently. So of course I like to mix it up, but I mean, you don't have access to that. So a lot of women, they fly in training partners from all over. So then here you are like hosting and boarding other athletes yeah. and paying for all their stuff while they're here, paying for their flights. And so it's expensive. There's not like one coach that just knows everything. <laughs> I mean, in some circumstances, sure. That's amazing. I didn't know that either, Raquel. I, that's it's awesome to know. That's amazing. Yeah. So sure. you, your mom uh, watching your fight, obviously nervous. How about dad? How is dad watching his daughter go out there and brawl like she does? Um, my dad is funny. He actually like I give him a lot of credit and it drives him nuts. But I mean, it's the truth of it. Because before when I first started this, I think my dad, like, he doubted me He's a, a lot big man him. too, he right? Actually, your dad, he's big. Your dad, Yeah. Big. And he would actually give, like, my opponents more credit every time we were talking. So he's kind of the one that lit, like, the flame under my ass because I was like, dude, I'm going to prove you wrong. <laughs> and so now, like, I thank him and I give him a hard time. But he uh, he's super supportive now. Like, he's just, like proud dad he'll like i was just visiting him after my last fight it, since it was in jacksonville they came up they live in florida and i drove back to um their small town with them and just spent some family time and was trying to heal from my hand injury and you know i 
my dad would get off of work and he would come home and I'm like that. I was in the fight and I've rewatched this fight. Like I got it. But like he watches the fight on a daily basis. Like he's just super proud. He'll go back and watch my old fights. When I get a new fight lined up, like he calls me every single day. He's sending me statistics on my opponent, statistics on myself. He's sending me my old fights. He's sending me video. He's studying them. And then he'll call me and like, we'll have conversations at night and he's just telling me everything about my opponent. And he's like, you do this and you do that. And like, it's super funny to see how everybody's just like really grown with it. My grandparents were like, you're ridiculous. Like you shouldn't be in this. They would see the bruises when I would come home from training and I was conditioning and they would get super frustrated. And now like my parents or my grandparents couldn't be more proud. Like my whole family is just on board and they love it. And every weekend now, I mean, with MMA really growing and UFC being pretty much every weekend, uh, we have family dinners and we just all watch fights together. And if we're not together, we have a huge family group message of over 20 people. And we just sit there and it's like we go back and forth for the night in the fights and who's betting on who or what do we think about the fight or whatever. So it's like a even though I'm the individual in there doing the work and constantly beating myself up, it's all like a whole team thing, really. Do you put a do you put a you know, your attitude is awesome, by the way. Um, I, lo- I love, I love it. I, I just like, I'm just, you know, this is a question for me to, to kind of just try to put myself in, in the, in the shoes, I guess. But like, do you put, is there a lot of, do you put all this pressure on you? Like what's a defeat? Like, you know what I mean? Like, I know for me, uh, you know, just getting sent down or like, you know, making it to the NHL and then like getting sent down. Like there's times where like, you know, I was 30 years old and, and crying. Like, it just felt like, you know, I, after all this and, and still I'm not good enough. I mean, I can't imagine, I don't know what it's like to do what you do, but I can only imagine, you know, a loss is pretty tough to, to deal with. And, and just kind of want to know what that feels like. Yeah. I mean, you know, the best way to put it is in this sport, you experience the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. Like it's very drastic and you can talk to any athlete. Like we all experience the same things and, you know, it's super frustrating when, you go through anywhere from, I mean, some athletes go from 12 week camps anywhere to a week camp, just depending on the notice that we get. And when you're putting in all that work and all that time, and I mean, none of us go into the fight hundred percent, like there's injuries left and right and your body, like you're exhausted and the nutrition, the diet, the weight cut, like everything's playing a part. And then all of a sudden you go out there and you're under the big lights and it's the moment that you've been waiting for. And like, you just, emotionally or mentally like the your fire just doesn't go and you don't perform the way that you want or you put your you know the fights that you put your heart and soul out there and if you lose you know I mean it's still a win um it's tough though I mean I've had some fights that like you know I mean I've been through a lot of different phases so I've had fights to where I feel like I was not passionate like I was just forcing myself to go through it and I wasn't in love with what I was doing. And at the end of the day, I'm the one that stepped in there, but I didn't like perform. And it was just kind of like, that was irritating. Like, I don't know why I did that to myself. So I kind of beat myself up. There's other fights that it was just like, you know, I came back from 18 month layoff of three major surgeries and a broken leg, nerve damage, like barely avoided amputation. And it was just like, I'm ready to get back in there. But physically, I was actually not ready to get back in there. But I got back in there and then, you know, she hit my leg in the first round exactly where I was dealing with all the issues. And, you know, to experience that and to try to bounce back from it, like it's all a chain effect. You know, I always tell people that you can go to the gym, you can 
take all the vitamins, you can do everything. But if your head and your heart ain't right, it doesn't matter. And so everything just kind of needs to line up. And, you know, the sport has taught me true patience. And at the end of the day, I mean, if it goes to the judges, like, it's a 50-50 chance. Every time you walk into that octagon, it is a 50-50 chance. And so you just got to understand and it's all about perspective. I think a lot of people, you know, they kind of put that mentality of like, they put all their eggs in one basket. And if it doesn't work out the way that you want, then what happens next? And that's with a win or lose. Like if you're expecting this win and that's all that's in your mind, well, and then you turn around and you don't get your hand raised, like, well, what's next? And a lot of people have a hard time bouncing back. And, um, you know, I've been guilty of that, but then it was just like, I didn't bust my ass all this time. I didn't do this for all these years. Like, this is just one fight. This is just a stepping stone. It's a ball being thrown at me. So I'm going to go back to the gym, go back to the drawing board. And it's not just the physical aspect. Like, this sport is extremely physical. But I always tell everybody it's 90% mental, 10% physical. So you got to get your head and your heart right. And you got to sit here and understand, like, why certain things have happened or understand the emotions that go behind it. And, um, you know, just process that first and then get back in there. And I always tell the kids coming up, like, have fun with whatever you're doing. Because um, I, like I said, when I wasn't having fun, it wasn't worth it. So once I figure out emotionally, and then I kind of just bounce back, and then I'm having fun back in training and mixing things up, whether, you know, whatever that looks like, but it takes a lot of communication on my end, it takes a lot of communication to my coaches, and then their understanding and their patience, and we just mix things up. And, you know, I think that's a huge thing, because it was just for years, I was just going like this, like 2016, I was on a roll. Then I had to stop and have that surgery. And then it was just like, ever since then, one thing after another, whether, whether it was surgeries, whether it was barely avoiding the amputation, whether it was developing hypothyroidism and getting tested for thyroid cancer and like all these things that just kept beating me up. You know, I just like, I wasn't playing, paying attention to how everything was playing a part. And now it was like, all right, like, that reset has to come. And now that I've figured that out for myself and like kind of just reset and have fun and these injuries, like, I mean, I'm super frustrated. It's been since April 9th and I still can't punch anything with my left hand. I can't even make a fist, but it is what it is. Like, I feel like everything happens for a reason now. And before it would knock me down. And now it's just like, I am so productive outside of the gym right now and getting other things that's making my head and my heart and everything else happy that it just kind of like works out and I'm that much more motivated to get back in the gym and continue my winning streak. So, you know, I, that's my mentality. I, I wanted to go back where you said you got in the ring there a few times where you just weren't feeling it. You didn't want to feel it. You want to know part of it, but you get in there. Now I, I get the injury part. Was that your mental state, emotional state that had you screwed up like that? Or was it just that wear and tear one thing after another was beating you down. What was it? Everything, yeah. everything. Yeah. It's all, it's all apart. And so like, you know, emotionally there was stuff there mentally, physically, like, like I said, I mean, being an athlete since I was five, having the injuries that I've sustained just growing up and whatnot, like I'm nervous to get older. <laughs> like, I'm only 33, but let me tell you, I am nervous to get older. Cause when I stop training and stop moving, like I feel every injury, but, it's just everything all in one. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, it just all comes together. So uh, your personal life is coming together, too. Uh, you're engaged to uh, Tisha Torres. Now, Tisha, I got to – she's a strawweight, right, UFC fighter? Yeah. I got to ask you, um, 
how do you feel when you watch her fight? Someone that you love and care <laughs> about, obviously. You know, we're talking about your mom and dad watching you. How do you feel when you watch her fight? You get nervous? Um, yeah, you know, I get I actually get more nervous for Tisha than I get for myself. But then with that being said, it's just because the caring part comes in. And of course, I don't want her to get hurt. But then, you know, being a teammate or being a like a partner in general and stuff, it's just like I have so much faith and confidence in her and I see her in the gym. So I can tell with Tisha, like when she's on and when she's off and when she's on, it's just like I don't even think twice about it. Like I'm truly excited to watch her go out and perform. Um, when I can see some of the behind the scenes and the rocky roads that are going on, gets me a little nervous, but she does really well at when she gets under the big lights, like she does really well at flipping the switch. How's and, the accent? You know, How's her accent? Does she have that? Like, I know she grew up in Fall River originally. She's from Fall River, Mass. Does she, yeah, does she have any she of that Boston her. accent? No, no, every <laughs> now and then a few words will come out. And then when she goes back and visits her family there, but other than that, she actually was uh, raised in South Florida. Yeah. So, yeah, cool. Cool, cool. You guys ever you ever butt heads in the relationship because you're like critiquing her, or do you try to stay away? <laughs> I can see by your facial expression that's. <laughs> um, so we had to find a very big balance. That was actually a really a really huge challenge for our relationship. Um, just because I mean, you know, you have your average couple who they have their own jobs, and you go to work, and they go to work, and then you come home in the evening, and so you have that separation. For Tisha and I, it's like our entire lives are involved together. Like our careers are the same thing. We have the same coaching staff. We're at the same gym. You train all um, the time together? We're training. We're okay. coming home and having lunch together. We're doing everything together. Like it's just nonstop. And, you know, I'm a person who likes space and everything else. And then like I also have coached sports for years now. And I'm a high school gymnastics coach currently. And it's just kind of one of those things to where, she asked me all the time, like, hey, will you be in my corner? Hey, will you help me? Hey, this, hey, that. But, like, it was really hard, I think, more for her to separate, like, the gym and the home life. So we would come home, but the gym would come home with us. <laughs> or we would be at the gym and the personal life would come with us. And it was just because we were constantly together, we butted heads for a while. And we really struggled with it. But now we found a good balance. And now... We actually mix up training. So on sparring days, we're together and I'll help her train and like help her spar or whatnot. And she gives me some work. Um, if we're in pro, pro class every now and then we work together, but for the most part, we have our own partners. So even though we're in the same um, atmosphere, like we're just not working together. And then she will go to her private sessions on her own um, instead of kind of like doing the double sessions back to back. So she'll be like in the morning and I'll go in the afternoon and we're kind of just like crossing paths now. But it took a while to figure out that because, yeah, I mean, the coaches were like, we cannot keep doing this. Like, <laughs> we're going to kill you guys uh -huh. and you guys are going to kill each other. You guys had to add like a relationship therapist in the in the team there? <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I think our, it's funny because uh, my sports psychologist, he's been awesome. And so I told Tisha, I said, you should do sports psychology. And I'm pretty sure like, I mean, I don't know what she talks about, but I know what I talk about. I'm pretty sure he. He hears some of our relationship in there sometimes. Uh -huh. Kicking right in that in that in the fight game. Now I watched some McGregor fight when he broke his leg. Now I, I I get the showman pot how he does everything before the fights and the stare downs and he dumps on people. The showman he made a guy made a ton of money. The showman 
I didn't like what he said after that fight, what he said about the guy's wife and the guy fought. I, I, I just to- totally lost respect for him. But sitting there with a broken leg like that, and I'm telling you, I'm a wimp. When I, when I saw that, I, I, when I see those kicks, I, I don't get the kick, the kicking pot. I don't know how the hell you could ever get used to that or toughen your leg up enough to be able to take those hits. That's insanity to me. I'd rather get punched in the break my nose. But this whole sport, honestly, like it's so funny because when Crazy. I sit back, like I absolutely love it, but it's all insane. Like, I don't know who one day was like, <laughs> let's do some jujitsu. We're going to call it Brazilian jujitsu, but we're going to try to choke the other person and like just manipulate everything the wrong direction and just make it painful. Or let's put some gloves on our hands and just start smacking each other in the face. Or now all of a sudden, let's just start kicking each other and see what happens. Like, it's all crazy when you really think about it. But, you know, I mean, the training that you go through, for one, when you're consistently, like, training every single day, like, obviously your body builds up to it. But, I mean, it's not easy. Like, our coach at the gym, he has a huge um, bag, and it's actually filled with rocks and sand. And that's what we do shin conditioning on. Then not to mention, like, we used to, like, take our shin guards off. And, I mean, you have to go gentle, but you slowly build up and you kick each other's shins. So one's blocking and the other one, you're hitting shin on shin so you can get used to it. And, like, it's a process. It takes time. And it hurts. And you come home and you have golf balls all the way down your shin. And then you got to rub them out and you're covered in bruises. Like, it's a lot that goes into it. And, I mean, still, it doesn't matter how much you're conditioned, as you see with McGregor or any other fighter, freaking Anderson Silva, who's known for his kicking and whatnot. And, um, you know, I mean, you hit something the wrong way and it's going to snap. And really, it's scary when you think about it. And I think that's what I'm most scared of every time I get ready to go into a fight. It's not so much my opponent and whatnot. It's just like, ugh. like I've had to learn mentally that I will heal is what the thing is, because it's just like, man, what is the craziest injury that you can get? Like, you just never know. And then it's crazy because when it's going on each and every time and you got all the adrenaline, like, it's like, oh, that was no big deal. And then once that adrenaline wears off, it's like, oh, this is a terrible idea every time. <laughs> what's a normal training day like? How long, you you know, you how what, how early you get up or what's, what? Yeah, just go through that routine real quick. Um. So usually when I'm in camp, I'm up every morning, probably around like 7 Uh, I have a whole crew of four-legged fur babies, so I'm taking care of them. And then now, like, with the summer and stuff, I water my grass and everything. And then, of course, I like to have, like, a slow morning. So I enjoy my coffee. I'll have my breakfast. And then I usually go to training. Um, Depending on where I'm training, like, I either commute to Denver, which is an hour away from me, or I commute to Pueblo, which is an hour south of me. And so uh, that just gives me time to, like, get ready for practice and stuff as I'm driving. Once I get to the gym, I'll stretch out, train for about two hours. If I'm up in Denver, my training session usually goes about three hours long. And then I'll drive home the hour, take a quick shower, have some lunch and whatnot. I usually have anywhere from about two to three hours in between training sessions. And then I'm back at the gym for anywhere from another hour and a half to three hours. And then, um, Usually after my second training session, I sit and stretch for a while. So stretching for about 45 minutes, then I get home and my morning or my evening starts. So then, you know, take another shower, eat some more food and then um, start taking care of my fur babies, cleaning, doing house chores or whatever's on my agenda for then. 
Um, and then, yeah, it's just like nonstop. Like the minute I wake up, my day is going till the minute I get ready to lay down. And when I lay down at nighttime, every time I'm like, oh, this is so nice, but mm -hmm. it's quick. I don't even like when I'm not training though, I just, I don't understand how I'm so busy all the time. Like I don't know anything different anymore. What, um, what do you have for fur babies? I have, we have two cats, um, that were rescued. I rescued one from Dubai. And so when I took Tisha to Kauai for her birthday, she's like, he needs a friend. Cause he's a Savannah Bengal mix. So he's <laughs> crazy and he's huge. Like he's a different kind of breed. And so we have those two and then we have seven dogs and seven then we dogs. have, wow. Yeah. Seven yeah. dogs. Wow. And then we have a bull that we just got and his name is Rocknado. <laughs> Rocknado. <laughs> yep. That's oh, awesome. Man, um, that's great. I love it. Uh, I have a golden and a St. Bernard and that's enough. Uh, the two of them are like the St. Bernard is huge drooly thing. I love her, but seven dogs yep. uh, one day. Um, get back I want to get back to a little bit of the fighting and and talk about like your future looking ahead here you fought uh, Amanda Nunes for the belt right um lost in five rounds and then twice to uh Holly home and both of these are ahead of you in in the rankings are you setting your sights on either one of those two Absolutely. Um, you know, the first fight with Holly and I was a huge controversial loss. Um, we ended up fighting the second fight and I don't even consider that a fight. Like it's her new tactic that she's going into every fight with lately. And like, it's a hugging match. Like she hugs the shit out of you. And people don't realize they're like, it sounds so easy. Like, Oh, just get away from her, get off the cage. But in reality, like when you're in there and not to mention Holly's way taller than me and she uses her leverage on that. Um, she actually just did it in her last fight with Ketlin Vera. And, you know, I mean, I don't really care for Holly as an athlete and whatnot and as a competitor, but uh, I'm sorry, like, Ketlin did not win that fight. But I think just based on her new style lately, like, the judges are like, no, this is bullshit. But, um, yeah, I would love to get a third fight with her and actually, like, fight. And then, uh, Amanda, of course, I want to rematch. Like, that was that fight I was talking about, you know, I mean, mentally i just like i wanted to be back there like it was after 15 months or an 18 month layoff after the three major surgeries after a broken leg after all the nerve damage like i was just over it and i wanted to be there and like it was the biggest profile fight of my career at that time ufc was just like hey world title like before um <clears throat> i went into surgery i was on a win streak and like just like super successful with everything and i personally like wanted a fight just to come back and like get used to everything. And they were like, sure. But if you lose like say la vie to the title for a while and like who wants to turn down a world title shot, yeah. you know? So of course I want to redeem myself, whether Amanda is the champion or not. Cause I definitely feel like I'm the better fighter. Um, Juliana, who's currently the champion. Absolutely. I thought her and I would have aligned in the finale of the ultimate fighter to fight, but that's just kind of where the path went different. So I've always wanted to fight her. And then, of course, anybody in front of me, um, you know, coming back after this hand hand injury um, and everything that's going on, I would actually love to fight Ketlin Vera just because I feel like she's hyped up right now. She's doing her thing. And then, of course, I'm on my win streak and everybody's talking about how she's next in line for the title. So 
I feel like it would be a really good title elimination fight. So a couple of things. Uh, Kate, Ketlin Vera, we'll get to, but go, going back to Holly Holm, uh, you said it. If we just fight this time, what, let me be a dad here. What are you going to do different this time when you fight it? So she doesn't the hugging shit. What can you do to stop the hugging shit and make her fight? Oh, exactly what I've been doing. <laughs> okay, ever since right. that fight, I'm curious. Else has gotten their hands on yeah, me. Yeah, I'm curious. Ever since, ever since that fight, nobody else has gotten their hands on me because I'm like, get the hell off me! Like you're not fucking hugging me, and that's just where I'm at. She's like, like a tick. That fight, yeah, it pissed me off, and like it just like you know, I mean, it really brought my technique to light and to stop being lazy. And my coaches like. The minute that we tie up, they'll like count out like two seconds and then they're like, move. And they are on my ass about it. And so, yeah, I mean, I've already solved that problem. Okay, good. I'm, I'm happy. And I'm certainly going to be watching uh, intently on your next fight now that I've got an opportunity to meet you. This is awesome. Uh, Ketlin Vieira. So you fight her and you beat her. You're, you're looking at, right, if you beat number two, chances are you're going to get that. Or is there something going on? behind the scenes we don't know about as viewers that somebody else would 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 have a fight against Nunes um, if you beat Vieira, or would you automatically have that title shot? No, you know, I mean, it's uh, a lot of it plays into politics and different things and whatnot, but, I mean, just given the fact that where I'm at, ranked fourth in the world, four-fight yeah. win streak, like, I mean, I think they have me at five now currently where I've been out, but... um. <clears throat> Um, just kind of everything that's there, you know, it just makes sense. I've already fought Aldana. I beat her, um, and everybody else who's in front of me. But like I said, I mean, the politics behind it, you have Ketlin, they're talking about, you know, Juliana and Amanda for this rematch. And then whatever happens with that, I don't see Holly coming off of a loss and going for a world title, but who knows people have names. And like I said, the politics and their managers and all this bullshit, um, but with Ketlin having the hype behind her and then me being on a win streak and everything else, like it only makes sense. So like I said, I mean, I think one more fight uh, and another great performance, another win under my belt, like you can't deny me of another title shot. So what does Ronda Rousey mean to you? Was she, was she overrated? Was she a big, big part of all the movement of getting this sport involved in, especially the female side of it, or you know her well, or what's your thoughts on her? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I mean, Rhonda did a lot of things for women's MMA and UFC definitely gave her the platform and the opportunity and helped build her up and stuff. And, you know, it's been awesome. Um, just like anybody, we're all human beings. Nobody's invincible. And, you know, I mean, you have somebody out there who's super successful and doing things and constantly winning and, I think a lot of that played a part before the opponents even stepped into the octagon. They were just intimidated and nobody really went out and performed against her. And then all of a sudden, you know, when she was exposed and, uh, you know, I mean, Holly was the first one to do it and exposed her and showed that she could. I called it from day one that the girl could not strike. She was not a good stand up fighter. And when Holly exposed her on that and then Amanda turned around and did it like it's kind of one of those things to where she was on top for so long that she didn't know what a loss looked like. And so when she started to experience it, like she had a really hard time bouncing back from that. And like now she's doing other things in life. And granted, I mean, she doesn't need to go out there and get punched in the face to provide a living. She's done what she's needed to for herself. And she's on to bigger and better things um, that are going well for her and WWE and having a family and all this other stuff. But uh, 
you know, I mean, we've been friends and I went out and helped her train, obviously knew her from the ultimate fighter. She was the other coach. I was on team tape, but you know, I mean, we built that relationship with everybody. And so, um, it was just kind of one of those things when she was getting ready to fight Amanda, uh, I went out to California and was training with her and doing work and we talked from time to time and yeah. Gotta ask you about, uh, the the big boss at UFC Dana White Dana White and I think back that Dana White uh, at one time was in South Boston Massachusetts opening a gym and he got approached by a couple of uh, Irish mafia guys one Whitey Bulger the other one Kevin Weeks and they were telling him he had to pay up if he's going to open a gym in South Boston he wanted no part of that he left town went to Las Vegas all of a sudden. He gets involved in UFC. What a move. I mean, he's basically pushed out of town. And he goes out there and he, he, he starts this whole thing with UFC. And we obviously, we know what's happened. It's taken off, sold for big money, right? It was bought. Um, how is Dana White to deal with for the fighters? Is he, you know, it, it, he's got to be the boss, but... Is he a friend of the fighters or is it a little adversarial with him? Or do you got to bow to the king? What is it? Everybody has their own relationship. Um, so, I mean, I can't. How about you then? Me and Dana have a great relationship. You know, I mean, uh, we built, we really built a bond through the ultimate fighter. He just really took to me as an athlete and as a person. And we have a great working relationship and whatnot and so i'm truly thankful for him like he is a great person you know a lot of people see awesome. different sides of him but he has a big heart he genuinely helps people like he's just he's an awesome guy and it's cool to learn his backstory and different things and whatnot so i mean just like anybody in life people get their own impression of things or you see somebody with a lot of money and it's like oh that person and you build some sort of like perspective of them but i mean for where he's at and what he's built like he really is a great guy Good for him. Good. He seems like it. You know, I, I see him in his interviews. I see him talk. I like the, I love the way he handles himself. Yeah. I don't know him personally, but I love the way he handles himself. No. Yeah. He seems like he just tells the, tells the truth. He's honest. You yeah. can't go yeah. wrong. Oh, with, like you know, is. you can't he go wrong. Always, with it. Yeah. You know, you he does not care. It. He's always going to be bluntly honest, even if it hurts your feelings, but the world yeah. needs more of that. So, <laughs> yeah, you know it. Um, yeah. Jeez. Um, how about this one? And I, I got so many I wanted to ask you. If, if your Mount Rushmore of UFC fighters, who would it be? Both male, female. Yeah, yeah we can all... we can mix it yeah. up on it. We can put male. You're male trying to build female. a Mount Rushmore. Yeah, we're gonna build around Mount Rushmore oh, well, UFC fighters. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Well, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> that's. <laughs> That's confidence. Yeah, I'm like, my face is up <laughs> yeah. there. Um, I don't know. I don't really care who else. I just, I know I'm going to be one up there, so whatever. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's I awesome. think, like, that's... the, I mean, there's so many different athletes, and, like, I've never been a person who's, like, starstruck over anybody. Like, I admire everybody's different talents and work, work ethics and, like, just everything that they do. And, you know, I admire people who have good hearts and they're in things for the right reasons and, you know, my family's like, you're too humble. Like you need to like be this person put on a little bit more of that face. And I just can't like, I mean, as long as you continue to appreciate where you came from and stay true to who you are, like, I feel like everything works out. And, um, 
So, you know, I mean, there's a lot of like really good athletes out there who don't even, including myself, like don't even get the recognition that we actually like deserve and different things. And, um, you know, I would say another face on there would probably be Amanda. Like she really, she's a good person. Like she, I believe that she was a great champion. You know, she's always been humble and like true to like where she came from. And, you know, it's just been one of those things. And there's so many different athletes out there who it's just like. Would George be up there? Who? George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre. For sure. I mean, there it's crazy because it's like everybody deserves a piece of something, honestly. Like there's something different that comes from each and every one of us who has built something. So it's it's honestly like really hard. But in reality, like I just want to see my face, so I don't care. <laughs> You've been openly gay. Has that been an issue within um within the fighting? Have you had to take a lot of heat for it or people get on you for it or um, you know, just like anybody with anything, everybody has opinions and I don't give a shit. Like, <laughs> that's why the yeah, world is the way it I is, like, yep. is because so many people are opinionated to everything. Like my life isn't yours and your life isn't mine, but like, you know, we can learn to accept each other for the people that we are. And if you sit there and learn to actually listen to people, like you learn a lot of things because at the end of the day, like, I'm never going to see things from your perspective or understand, like why it may feel the way it does to you. But as long as I listen, like I'm learning something new and I can appreciate that and value that. And I think when it came to it, you know, I mean, I came out on national TV and in reality, like somebody on the show, like was really struggling. Their brother was wanting to commit suicide because of being gay. And it was just this whole thing. And like, nobody was brave enough to talk about it. And at that time, my family really didn't know anything. And I was just like, I'm here. Like, I don't even care. I was spreading my wings. I was doing things for me and what's genuine in my heart. And you know, my family reacted out of that when we watched my episode and the ultimate fire really like put that as the face of me. Like that was their main focus, which is, which shouldn't have been. Yeah. Like that's not all yeah. of who I am. Like that's just my preference in life and like whatever. But, uh, you know, I mean, my family reacted out of fear on that. Cause I remember my mom was like, it was crickets when my episode played and my mom was like, you disrespected your grandparents. You disrespected this family. And I was like, no, I didn't disrespect anybody. I actually respected myself. And, you know, I think it was, like I said, it was fear because I think she was worried about how the world was going to react and everything, but it was actually amazing. Like it opened a door for people and I was getting messages from 72 year olds and down who were sharing their life stories with me. And like, you know, it was sad, but it was amazing. It was inspiring. And there were so many different things going on. And, you know, I just became the face of something else. And I think when my mom and my family realized that, like it all became okay. And like I said, I mean, being on this platform, being accessible to people and like, I mean, it's a vulnerable place to be at, but like, you really do have to have tough skin at the end of the day. Like, I feel like we're all born the way that we're supposed to be born. And like, we're dealt cards the way that our lives are meant to be. And so, you know, there's positive in everything, even if life feels like that little needle in a haystack is your only positive. Like there's some positive in there. You just have to be willing to find that. And, you know, the people that I've inspired and the opportunities and like reaching out to kids and like helping them find their way and, you know, talking to adults and helping them find their way and seeing the stories and the different things. And then, you know, UFC now, this is since 2020, Tisha and I were the ones that actually asked to represent our community. And we asked for the rainbow colors on our shorts and we started that whole thing. And now when Pride Month comes in, um, you see all the athletes wearing the colors and different things. And like, it feels like some sort of like unity and like representation, you know? And so, yeah, I mean, 
Well, God bless you. That's yeah. good. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that you've embraced that. No question. Um, question here now, and this is different. When I fought in hockey, I had a, over 275 fights in hockey on the ice. A little different, but still fights. You get hurt, you get punched, and and when I got to the, you're 33 years old now. When I got up to 32, 33, I retired when I was 34. It got really difficult on me mentally. All these young kids, 20 years old, coming in. I'm six feet, 200 pounds. These kids are coming in 6'4", 235, like arms down to their ankles. It was getting really difficult for me mentally. And I would question myself. Um, you know, I could felt my, I felt myself slipping a bit in, in not just the fight game, but the skating game. I was having a tougher time keeping up. How, I, I guess you won't know till it approaches, but it, it, how are you going to be able to deal with that part of it? As you get older, do you think that's going to creep in at all? Like, or, or can you, could you ever feel it coming or see it coming? Or do you think all of a sudden it's going to be there and you're going to know? Um, you know, for one, like I just had this conversation the other day and it's like, it's crazy because, you know, our buddy Cowboy, he just uh, retired yeah. last weekend. And then Jessica, I just retired and like she started out in the sport when we started out. And so it's like, man, watching them walk out of the arena and it's like ugh, to feel that last walk is going to be like the craziest thing. But, you know, I think uh, you'll know when enough is enough and life always opens a different door and stuff. But all I've known is athletics since I was five. And so it's going to be definitely hard for the transition. But it's kind of one of those things where it's just like, you know, you kind of just pass it Take on it as it and, comes. and, you yeah. know, you sit here and you appreciate your accomplishments and you just value like that time and then you give back. And so I think it comes to like, I'll always be involved, whether it's with coaching my kids with sports or my God kids or my niece and nephew sports. Like I'm always going to be around sports, running our own gym, doing different things, being at the gym, still just working with kids and whatnot, like, to still have that opportunity to give back and to pass on that knowledge and see it and coach and whatnot. I think that'll feel like a void. And of course I'm going to stay active. Like, I mean, just because I may not go out there and compete anymore, like I'm still going to be in the gym training to a certain degree, doing different things and opening different doors. And so, you know, I mean, I'm sure it's going to take a toll and it's going to hit at one point, but like for now, that's my perspective on it. Is there a fight you're really yearning for a person you really want to fight? Um, yeah, like I said, I mean, my next fight, I wanted to be Ketlin Vera just to, you know, I mean, everybody's talking about her with the next world title shot. Then you slow down. Like I want the world title shot again and whatnot. And so it's just, you know, I want to go out there. I want to fight anybody who I haven't fought. I love challenges and I feel like everybody brings a different challenge to the table, whether you're the champion, whether you're ranked number one or you're number 25 on the roster, like it doesn't matter. You're there for a reason. You have a different talent and you bring a different challenge and so in reality, like, I just want to face anyone that I haven't fought. Um, the ones that I have fought and I've lost to for whatever reason, like, obviously redeem myself. But my ultimate goal is to win the world title um, and to become the world champion and pr prove that I am the best in the world. And then I want to defend that once or twice. And honestly, for me, after that, like, I'm done. I've accomplished the ultimate thing. And now it's time to open a new door for myself. Well, good stuff. Hey, listen, um, Raquel, I want to thank you so much for joining Tim and I and Barry. And um, listen, Holly Holm, make sure she fights you next time and kick her ass. And <laughs> I hope you listen. I I really 
you got, you got a new fan in me, and I just hope that uh, you do get that title shot, and I hope you do win one day. And I, you will be on Rushmore. I appreciate it. <laughs> right, right? Thanks, Raquel. <laughs> right on. <laughs>